All right, I can't wait to get into today. Uh, we are in a series called Shameless Prayers, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed this series. Have you enjoyed Shameless Prayers? Yeah, yeah I've got three of you have. Um, <laughs> but we just wrapped up something called 21 Days of Prayer, and uh, it's, I love 21 Days of Prayer, the season of seeking God. It was just, it was such a good, like, such a good time. Uh, this last 21 days, but we always end with this. On day 22, today's, today would be day 22, we always end with, we're not looking for 21-day prayer, people. We're looking for 22, 23, 24, 365 days out of the year. That's what we seek God. That's when we seek God. We seek God for 365. So um, again, if you're interested in uh, seeking God three, 365 days a year on our behalf with our prayer team. Uh, Dave would love to have you on our, on our prayer team. There's, there are requirements to be on our prayer team. It's not something that uh, we just say, anybody can join. It's, there's, there's requirements. There's, there's a standard to be on our prayer team. And so uh, if you're interested in that, just write on that card in front of you, I'm interested in the prayer team, and we'd love to get you connected. We want lifetime prayer warriors. Come on, somebody, right? We need people that will intercede on our behalf. Well, this series, again, has been called Shameless Prayers. I want to do a quick review of the series uh, for the last four weeks. This is week four, the finale, the kaboom, the big one. Like, this is, this is it. But this is, this is um, setting up our next series. I love when God works this way, um, where one series leads us into another one. And this one has been called Shameless Prayers. The next one will be called Shameless Relationships. And uh, today's message will set everything up for the next series. So week one, we talked about what keeps me from praying, what keeps me from praying. And the answer for that our, was our big idea, and that was that shame often keeps us from praying. Shame will keep us from praying. And uh, I'll review kind of how we got to that idea uh, here shortly. But in week two, we talked about what does prayer even accomplish anyway? Like, what, why am I praying? What does it accomplish? And the answer for that was our big idea, which was prayer accomplishes change. Prayer is change. So um, I gave you five W's for prayer. Um, hopefully you've used that at least one time since, since that week. Uh, but our, our five W's, our prayer, is we start with worship. Then we move to our, our wants, our desires, our needs. So worship wants. Uh, I'm sorry, worship will first. We have to get to the will first because you got to pray for God's will before you get to your wants. So worship will, wants, and then we wash with forgiveness. We cleanse ourselves with forgiveness. And then we get to war, where we go to war with the enemy. So Worship, will, wash, wants, war. Those were our five W's. Week three, we talked about, um, and this was just last week, we talked about the biggest mistake we make when we pray. The biggest mistake, our big idea was that the biggest mistake we make when we pray is we don't approach the Father like a child. And we talked about kids and how they uh, often will communicate honestly, <laughs> Did anybody Google or go to YouTube this week and type in Brulianas Kids, by the way? Uh, really funny, uh, but again, really funny. I'm not, that's all I'm going to say about it. 
I said it last week, my real thoughts, and if you missed it, you can go back and listen to our messages and see what I said. But uh, they communicate honestly, they communicate openly, and they communicate with trust. They trust you. Like the fact that my kids, when they were little, trust me. When they were little, they trusted me. <laughs> they say, yeah, because uh, I don't trust you anymore because I know you're a liar, right? Not, not really. Just come on. Just laugh a little bit this morning. I don't, know, I don't know if it's the cold weather, but the first service, like I had to pull laughter out of them. This service, I feel like it's going the same way. Um, but week four, we talked last week. Uh, today, sorry, today we're going to talk about the most loving thing that you can do for someone else. The most loving thing that you can do for someone else. Let me ask you that question real quick. What do you think is the most loving thing that you can do for someone else? It doesn't matter who they are. Don't, don't, don't get ahead of ourselves. Before, I start, so before you start blurting out answers, let's not get ahead of ourselves because I'll just tell you the answer is not what you think it is. And that's going to be our cliffhanger to move on to Luke chapter 11 is where we've been. If you want to follow along with our notes for today, you can do it in the YouVersion Bible app. It's, uh, it's the best place to... I love the YouVersion Bible app. I, I know I promote, I promote it every Sunday. And um, I just love it because I can read the Bible through it. I can, write, I can put my notes there. You can, you can download the notes. You can look at them later. You can save the notes. And it's just, just a really good resource. Shameless Prayers is the name of our series. Luke chapter 11, verse 8 says this, But I tell you this, though, we, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Shameless persistence is what God is after in our lives. He wants us to shamelessly pursue him. But the problem is, is that we do wrong. And so we've looked at Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, where in Genesis chapter 2, prior to Genesis chapter 3, that's how it works, 3, 2 comes before 3. In chapter 2, it talks about how Adam and Eve were in the garden. They were both naked and they felt no shame. But then later on in between chapter 2 and chapter 3, verse 7, Eve eats the fruit of knowledge of good and evil and disobeys God. And when she disobeys God, sin enters the world. And all of a sudden we read verse 7 that says, At that moment their eyes were opened and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. What they weren't ashamed of before, they are now ashamed of now because they've done wrong. And oftentimes the root emotion of our sin is shame. God knows that. And God knows that when we do wrong, we often feel bad for what we've done. We often feel shame at what we've done. And so our shame of what we've done prevents us from going to God. I can't go to God right now. I just did this. I can't go to God right now. I just thought this. I just did this. God already knows. He already knows. But I think he also knows that we're ashamed at what we do. So he comes to us in, 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 in Luke chapter 11. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. The reason Luke 11 is, is happening, the things that are happening, is because the disciples are saying to Jesus, 
in verse 1, they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so as Jesus is teaching them how to pray, the next 13 verses are all about Jesus teaching them prayers. He gives them the, the model of prayer. That's where we got the five W's. But he then goes on into a parable. He tells them a story about a friend that doesn't have bread for a friend that's coming over to his house the next day. And he realizes at midnight that he's not prepared for his friend to come to his house. So what does he do? He goes to his buddy's house. Hey, man, could you spot me three loaves of bread at midnight? And he shamelessly pursued him, regardless of what time it was, regardless of what he had gone through. All he knew was that his buddy could hook him up. <laughs> All he knew was that his buddy could, could supply what he needed. And so he, he goes to his friend's house shamelessly. I believe God wants us to pray without shame. But the problem is if we do wrong in our lives, oftentimes we experience the emotion of shame because of what we've done wrong, and therefore we don't pray. Now, I want to look today at the rest of the context of this chapter, um, verses 9 through 13. And I want to read the rest of it, and then I want to go back to the parable. I want to go back to the parable because I noticed something this week that absolutely rocked my world about God that I said to myself, we can't move on to the next series until I explain this about God and who he is. We're going to get there in a moment, but first we've got to look at Luke chapter, nine, uh, chapter 11, verse 9 through 13. But before we do that, you know what we have to do. We have to ask God to speak to us. So let's do that. Father, um, your word is alive, it's active, it's quicker than any two-edged sword, and it pierces my soul and my spirit. It is alive. It's true. And it lights my path, and it leads me, and it, it, makes, it, it helps me grow into the person that you want me to be, and that person is just like Jesus. I pray as I read your word that I would read him on the pages, that I would see who he is, and that I would become like, just like him. Father, I pray that we would be a church of people that allow Jesus to live in them and through them, that we would make an impact in this world, sharing the grace that is irresistible with them. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 says, And so I tell you, keep on asking. So this part of the, the chapter is right after Jesus says it was because of their shameless persistence that the friend got up. He said it wasn't because of your, you were a friend. It was because you shamelessly pursued your friend. And because of your shameless pursuit, he got up. And so this is about the shameless pursuit and what it achieves in our lives. Verse 9. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find it. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened. What door? I'm going to talk about the door today. And let me tell you, it blew my mind this week. The door will be open for you. 
For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. For the, your father, your fathers, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Can we just stop and just talk about the hilarity of what Jesus is saying? Like, that's funny. Like, hey, dads, you're, 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 and I don't, there's got to be a significance with the request of a fish in, in, the, in the giving a snake. I, I'm assuming that it's because snakes, I mean, if you want to talk about snakes in the Bible, right? Like we know that the, 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 that the enemy pre- presented himself as a snake in the garden. And so he's, like, there's so many different ways that we could take this. Um, but, like, and you think about the fish in the Bible. Jesus provided the loaves and the fish to feed the 5,000, right? And so I think the, the picture is, he's saying, you've, you've seen what I've done with fish. You don't give them a snake. You don't give them, eat. like, there's, there's so many. The Bible is beautiful. The Bible is deep. It's rich. There's so much depth to it. And so he says, you don't give him, a, you don't give your, your son a, a snake that asks for a fish. Keep reading verse 12. Or you ask for an egg. Now, I don't know anything about eggs in the Bible, just so you know. I don't know where that one's going. You don't ask for an egg. Do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you're... If you sinful people know how to give good gifts, if you sinful, shameful people know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? What is God teaching us here about prayer, about shameless prayers? It's clear that Jesus is telling His disciples Pursue, consistently pursue God. Continue to go after him. Be persistent and do it without shame. But in verses 9 through 13, he he tells us what that shameless pursuit achieves. It achieves the Holy Spirit. It achieves the gift of God. It achieves who God is. And if shameless persistence to God gives us, allows us to receive what we ask for, it allows us to find what we're looking for and, to al- and allows us to open the door that was locked. If, if shameless pursuit of God achieves all those things, then why wouldn't we do it for those we love? We've got to learn to pray for those we love, yes. But what's the most loving act that you can do for someone else? Can I just say real quick, even the world knows that prayer is the answer. Think about the tragedy that takes place in our world. What do we say? Thoughts and prayers. Pray. Pray for, like, like just a, c- a couple weeks ago, the sports world, which I love, was turned upside down because a guy 
on the football field. Everyone was watching Monday Night Football. Not everyone was watching Monday Night Football. But all of a sudden, everyone watched Monday Night Football. And everyone knows a guy's name because he collapsed on a football field because all of a sudden the news were, were talking about a guy named DeMar Hamlin because we don't, we've never seen a guy collapse like that on a football field. And so CBS News, Dateline News, every, all these news stations, I don't even know the news stations that were all of a sudden talking about sports, which I kind of liked, by the way. <laughs> Pray for DeMar. What about this one? Pray for Ukraine, Right? Pray for racial injustice. Pray for the injustice in the world. Our world is shook right now. We, but, but we all know that the answer is prayer. So I want to tell you this morning that the most loving thing that you can do for someone is so much deeper and richer than that. I told the first service, I hope you brought your snow shovels today because we're going to dig today. And it leads, all leads me up to the big idea for today. The big idea for today is this. The most loving act that you can do for someone else is identify as a son or daughter of the Heavenly Father. The most loving thing that you can do for someone else is to identify as a son or a daughter of the Heavenly Father, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was, who is, and always will be. And when you identify with Him, you know you can go to Him about anything. No matter what you've done, no matter how far you are from him, you know you can go to him because you are his son or his daughter. That's the most loving thing that you can do for someone else. It's so much more than prayer. Because as, as someone that identifies with a father, I know that I can go to my dad about anything. I can go to him about anything, regardless of what I'm doing, regardless of what's going on in the world. And, it's, and it doesn't require a tragedy for me to go to him. I can go to him when I wake up in the morning. I can go to him when I go to bed at night, even at midnight. Like, isn't it amazing, the, the story that Jesus is telling? Verse 13, the second part of verse 13 says this. Pastor Adam, where are you getting this from Luke chapter 11? Let me show you. Verse 13 says, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? To be honest with you, I thought the answer for this, this, this series, I wrote it out. I wrote shameless prayers, and I wrote, you know, where we're going to go. I wrote, wrote about week one and the, how shame prevents us from prayer. And I write, I, I try to set up the series beforehand. I get to week four, and I write down what's the most loving thing that we can do. Prayer is the most loving thing that we can do for someone else is what I'm thinking. <laughs> I love it when I read God's word, and he changes what I'm, what I'm thinking. 
Some of you don't like it. But I love it when I'm reading God's word and it changes the way I think. And it flips it upside down and it says, no, nope, you got to think deeper. You got to be willing to go deeper. You got to be willing to dig a little deeper to, to understand that this has nothing to do with what you do and everything to do with who you are. And so we're just a church that's uh, wanting people to allow Jesus to live in them and through them. Identity. We have to learn that the most loving thing that we can do for someone else is to live in the identity that Jesus died to give us. It's always pointing us back to the Father. God's word always points us to the Father. Jesus came to remove our sin so that we can have a relationship with the Father. It's always about a loving Father. Father that gave his only begotten Son to rescue me so that I could also be his Son in relationship with him. This week, as I was studying this entire passage, listen, I've studied it for the last month, just like you guys. God showed me something that I was missing as I read the, the parable. And it's about the Father. And I want to I teach you the most important thing that you can, the most important question you can ask yourself when you study God's Word. The most important question that you can ask yourself when you're studying God's word is, where is God's character in this story? Because oftentimes, if we're not careful, we get wrapped up in the people of the story. Listen, the people of the story are just a protection. Their story is showing us that as we live out our story, that we can see God in it just like they do. So it's always pointing us to the character of God. So when I read God's word, I have to ask myself, where is God in this story? So let me read Luke chapter 11, verse 5 through 8, um, which is the parable that we've, that we've been studying about shameless persistence. Pay attention to verse 7. Verse 5 starts and says, Then teaching them about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight and want to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, A friend of mine has arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. Like, he didn't even just have, like, he didn't even have Oreos, right? He just had, he had nothing. So he's going to God, and he's like, I, I, I need something. So he goes on. Verse 7, and suppose he calls out for the bedroom, from the bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked. It's locked for the night, and my family and I are in bed. I can't help you, but I tell you this, although he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. So, I want to show you what, where God just said, Adam, you're missing this. 
I need to point it out to you. Because you can't go to the next series about, about relationships until you, uh, until you discover this about my character. It was verse 7. Don't bother me. The door is locked. What does that mean? What do you mean the door is locked, God? Jesus told a lot of different stories called parables. In, in college, I learned that the definition of a parable was parables are earthly stories with heavenly meanings, which is easy, like it's easy way to remember it, which is good, but I, I think there's so much more. Because like most of the people that were standing around when Jesus told these earthly stories didn't fully understand them. And the parables that Jesus told, he often talked, used characters in the story to refer to God. He used a slew of characters, a whole slew of them. I don't know what a slew is, but it's a lot. <laughs> he used descriptions like a king, a shepherd. One of my favorites is the widow searching for a coin. That was, uh, that was someone that he used to describe God and the character of God. He used a father with two sons. The, son, the younger son went away and the, new, the, the older son stayed and worked in the field. He used the story of a farmer in sowing seeds as, as a, a picture of God. He also used a friend, which is who we see in our story. There were two friends one friend went to another friend at midnight. The friend that he went to represents, represents God. But what does it say about the friend that represents God's door? It's locked. What in the world? When I read that this week, I was like, whoa, hold up, wait a minute. The door is locked? What does that tell me about the character of God? What does it tell you about the character of God? Because I realize that some of you in this room today feel like God's door is always locked. Some of you feel like you've been praying and you've been praying, you've been praying, you've been praying. But God just isn't responding. Maybe his door is just locked. And maybe he just doesn't like me. Maybe he's wanting to keep me away. God's door isn't locked any longer. But why? What is it telling us about his character? And so I'm a pretty simple guy. I start praying and I start thinking about why do I lock my door? Why do you lock your door? Well, I lock my door for two reasons. This is what God showed me. I lock my door for two reasons. Number one, I lock my door for privacy, right? I want some, I want, I want some alone time, privacy. I'm not going to go into details about my privacy, but that's why I lock my door. I also lock my door for protection, to keep people out of my house. 
<laughs> Keep people out of my house. I have to lock, I lock my door for privacy. I lock my door for protection. And so I'm reading the story and I'm going, God, why is your door locked? Well, he says, my family is asleep. And that tells me, well, he's not, it's not because he needs privacy. It's because he needs a protector. And this is what God showed me about his character this week but from the scripture. God is always pro- protector before he is provider. It's really important. God always protects before he provides. Loving fathers do two things. They protect and they provide. They protect and they provide. I believe they always protect first. God is the same way. He's always a protector before he's a provider. And we have to, the most loving thing that we can do for someone else The most loving thing that we can do for someone else is identify enough with the Father to know that he will protect them and he will provide for them. When we identify with Jesus and we understand the Father, what happens is when someone comes to us broken, we think, my dad can fix that. And someone comes to us needing healing, we say, my dad can heal that. Someone comes to us without and with major need in their life, we say, my dad can provide for that. The most loving thing you can do for someone else is to live in your identity of Jesus. Being like him. Knowing that your dad has all the answers. But Pastor Adam, you don't understand. God didn't protect me when this happened. Did he? Oh, really? Tell me about that. Because I'm pretty sure we just sang a song earlier today about a man that lost everything yet was able to write a song that said it is well with my soul because he understood his identity was in Jesus and oftentimes being in our identity of Jesus means that suffering will come. But when suffering comes, it's making us more like the one who suffered the most. It's making us more like Jesus. And I am so grateful that the Father who is a protector took the hand of protection off his son long enough for him to hang on a cross. For me, 
so that I could be rescued from my sin that kept me from being able to identify with the most loving father there's ever been. He removed the protection from Jesus, allowed him to go to the cross, knowing that he would rescue him by raising him from the dead. The suffering only lasted three days, y'all. He came out of the grave so that I could live the way he wants me to live. And I can point people to a father that loves him so much, that has all of the answers for every need they have. And the closer I am to him in my identity, I can know what those answers are. Stand your feet, I want to pray with you. Every head bad, eye right close. Isn't God's word incredible? I want to pray with you. So God, I just, I just, I just want to come without shame, knowing that I'm sinful, knowing that I've done wrong, but without shame, without shame at my nakedness, knowing that you know me already. Father, I I pray that this week we would live in the identity that you want us to have, sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father, the Father that gave everything so that we could live in our identity of him. Father, I pray that we would love others around us this week by living in our identity of you, knowing that your plan for them is for them to live in their identity of you as well. Seeing them the way you see them, bought with a price, the blood of Jesus. Help us to see others the way Jesus did. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, Pastor Adam, I... I need this identity you speak of. If that's you, I just want to invite you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning. I just want to invite you to say this prayer with me. If you need your identity in Jesus, right where you sit, say this prayer with me, believe it in your heart. And then take out the card in front of you and mark on there that you're following Jesus for the first time or recommitting. But just pray with me and say, God, I know I need you because of my sin. My sin that separates me from you. Come into my life. Save me by the blood of Jesus. Give me that new identity that Adam speaks of. Help me to live for you, just like Jesus. It's in his name I pray.
Amen. Have you enjoyed this series? Are you glad you came to church this morning? Awesome. Well, next week, listen, I can't wait for the next series because it's shameless relationships. And uh, the only person I have a shameless relationship is with her. So she's going to be preaching this with me. And I can't wait for her to join me up here. You can't wait for her to join me up here because I'm so much better when she's by my side. Thank you so much for being here. Have the best week of your life. Let's sing a song and then we'll be dismissed.